It's 11.06 on WSIC News Radio, and you're listening to We're Just Saying with Senator Vicki Sawyer and David. I'd like to be part of our show, 844-STUDIO-4. We are streaming live on the WSIC News website, YouTube, Facebook, X, formerly known as Twitter, LinkedIn. We're not in YouTube jail, are we, Bill? Okay, good. We are yeah. not in YouTube jail. Excellent. <laughs> I always, I always have to check these days because you do. just never know. Well, but, especially, I mean, I would just like to say welcome to the show, guest host David Coble. That guest, that is so unfair. It I missed, I missed three. No, it was two. Three. Well, you missed you missed one of oh, them that I missed. We're not talking about me right now. We're talking about <laughs> you. You missed one of the ones I missed. We are talking about you. Okay, I apologize no. to our listeners <laughs> who who have been devoid of my dulcet tones. I, I do apologize. Not dulcimers. Not dulcimers. No, the, no. The though, dulcet though dulcimers at Christmas, if you've ever been to the Biltmore House, very solid. Oh. But uh, but I am back. I do apologize no. for leaving you high and dry. Hopefully, you were able to make it through without me. Though Bill said the ratings did plummet. Oh. <laughs> As always, they do. As always. always, they do, and it's me by myself. But I was able to invite several senators on and talk about their re-election campaign. I continue to going to do that in these upcoming shows. So, but I'm just happy to have you back because it is lonely by yourself up here. It definitely is lonely uh, in the in the studio. I've been here a couple times without you by myself. Yes, you and have. And I did not enjoy that either. Yeah. So I'm very happy back. But it is the most wonderful time of the year. I don't mean Christmas. I mean candidate filing. Oh boy, what a week! Oh my gosh. I mean, you know. Obviously, probably the the big thing, you know, big old bomb dropped for our area. area. Patrick McHenry announcing he would not uh, seek re-election is going to be retiring from Congress. That really came out of nowhere. I don't think anybody picked that on their bingo card. Um, But really just sends things, you know, really kind of reeling around our area and especially Mm -hmm. this this congressional district. So, Mm -hmm. like, when did you first sort of hear about this? Were you on the inside, Vicki, or did you hear (laughs) about it on Twitter like the rest of us? Yeah, so me and the cabal were sitting there (laughs) hanging out and talking about how we could take down one of the second most powerful men in America is Patrick McHenry. And, is that and how of it course, works? my plan worked. Of right? course, yeah, well done. Right. No, I found out just like everyone else. You know, I, I heard the news. I'd, uh, I had a, a staff person who works with um, Congressman McHenry called me about an hour before it happened. And so I knew at that point that it was coming. So I appreciate the, the heads up. But man, Ever since then, it's been a whirlwind because it does shake up local politics. Oh, it absolutely does. And I mean, you know, it's, you know, obviously, the, you know, for those who don't know, for this congressional district, um, this district is drawn within Iredell. Mm-hmm. Um, it's uh, Iredell, it's Lincoln, it's Forsyth and Yadkin. And Catawba. And Catawba. Mm-hmm. So those are the counties that sort of make up this district. Not mm-hmm. all those counties fit into that one district, but yeah. So, but actually they do, except there's a small portion of Forsyth that mm-hmm. is in a different district. So, Correct. Um, so that makes up this new district um, as it was drawn, very similar to the old district, though not that different than right. what uh, uh, Patrick McHenry had, had represented. But this is sort of the first time in our area um, since the new 13th was mm-hmm. created back when Ted Budd ran. Um, and there was this was a brand new district um, that, you know, we're going to be looking to elect a new congressman. Yeah, we are. And so although I, I am very sad for the um, loss of representation with Congressman McHenry because he has been fantastic. I mean, he was one of the reasons why I did not support term limits um, or, you know, because his constituent services in his office was fantastic. I mean, if I had a veteran call me that needed something, he was right there or someone who needed with HUD or any kind of federal government uh, issue, especially passports. I mean, his office was just bar none. Fantastic. So I am going to miss him for that. But I will say selfishly, I'm enjoying the shakeup. Yeah, are you? You a like, little you like bit. A little, you like a little chaos, don't I you? I <laughs> think there may be a good psychologist who would like to look into the reasoning why I'm happiest when there's chaos around me. And there might, <laughs> there's some kind of personal defect there that uh, it's very quirky for me. But it is very interesting, especially to be on the inside of the conversation. Mm-hmm. And when you're talking about the conversations that we're having, we're talking about 
congressional. I mean, it, that's a big deal. Oh, it's a huge deal. History books, like federal history wrote books, your name will be in. And just what is going on right now and the opportunity. And Iredell County is the largest populous county in that district. Mm -hmm. So conceivably, an Iredell County person, if they carry all of Iredell County, will be the front runner in that race. No, 100%. And I think it'll be a, a great opportunity for someone. Um, obviously, you know, you and I have, have had several different conversations. Mm -hmm. You you are not going to be seeking that seat. Uh, we will clarify that. You will be filing for re-election to the Senate, correct? Yeah. So I, but what I have not filed for office just yet. So that's given some people... Uh, interesting tongue, tongue wagging or whatever you would call <laughs> our, our disc jockey jaw jacking is what I usually say. Um, but really it's so that we can make sure to keep inside of the conversation that um, we can find out who will be the best candidate for that position. Mm -hmm. Now that's not to say that people who have expressed interest in this race are unqualified. Right. Let's not say that. But um, again, uh, our County is the heart of that district and it just goes to figure that someone from our county should uh, be a very strong contender for that race. One hundred percent. And I'm, we are, you and I both are part of these conversations about who that person shall be. No, absolutely. And I think that it'll be interesting to see because I, I read something funny that the biggest winner of the Patrick McHenry re uh, retirement was Tim Moore because the uh, gentleman who was running against Tim Moore, Pat Harrigan, has now decided to move back over to this district, right. pack, but apparently was packing up boxes the moment the uh, announcement came out to come back and to run into this district, um, you know, and the as cynical as I find that, frankly, um, because that that says to me somebody just wants mm -hmm. to be in Congress. They mm -hmm. don't want to represent anybody. They just want to be in Congress. Mm -hmm. but, but besides that, you know, we there will be, you know, if you remember back when they drew the 13th, what was their... 13, 14 candidates? It was close to, it, it was, was less than 20 number. and maybe I'm thinking like 17, 13 to 17 yeah. candidates. And Ted Budd was the one who came out against that. But you're exactly right. Um, and you're my race against uh, my first primary proved that folks don't like politicians who pick them. Exactly. They want to pick their politician. 100%. And you're seeing that, you know, me right now talking about someone homegrown from Iredell County to run for this congressional seat. That is absolutely what I'm working for because I want to pick my representative. I don't want a representative to pick me. No, absolutely. And that's really, you know, when it, it really is sort of a cynical move when you, I mean, you know, at least, you know, we always like to, you know, you know, the lovely Alma Adams down in Charlotte, who I don't think has ever lived in that district, but just owns it. Right. right. And, and everything. But, um, you know, the, to actually just, you know, be running in one congressional district, have an open seat because you think it's going to be an easier race yeah. and then go back over and doing that. That's just it, it's cynical. And I think people see yeah. through that kind of thing. So actually, I reached out to a staff attorney for Senator Berger's office because I said to him, Josh, I don't like the fact that we have residential requirements for House and Senate, but we don't for Congress. Is there a constitutional amendment that we can put on the ballot or is there a state law that we can do to change this? And would you like to hear his response? I would definitely like to know Well, that. at the time he said, I agree with you. I'm sure there's an answer, but if like within two seconds after the call, he said, um, the U.S. Supreme Court has decided in two cases, Powell versus McCormick 8 and U.S. Term Limits, Inc. versus Thornton, that neither Congress nor the states can add to the qualifications stipulated in the constitution for membership in congress so this means we can't place a residence requirement on congressional candidates either by a constitutional amendment or statute well there you go it's a shame <laughs> it is a shame it is a shame I, because you know i know we only have a few seconds left here but 
it's just different when you live somewhere because when you go and, and represent that same place, because then when you're, you're the one driving the roads and you're the one going to church with those folks who live around you, I mean, your neighbors are influ- your influence. And that's very important um, as if someone who is elected, and I know as someone who used to be elected, you know, those folks and friends around you are the ones who really influence what's going on in your head. Oh, so absolutely. it's so important to actually live, work, breathe, live and play in the district that you represent. No, 100%. And I think one of the things that we talked about, you know, in your first race, right, we, we had um, someone who just got an apartment in the district to move in. How do you represent the people if you don't know them? Exactly. You're listening to We're Just Saying on WSIC News Radio. We'll be right back. Welcome back to We're Just Saying on WSIC News Radio with Senator Vicki Sawyer and David. If you'd like to be part of our show, 844-STUDIO-4. We are also still streaming live on the WSIC News website, YouTube, Facebook, X formerly known as Twitter, as well as LinkedIn and all points in between. You know what? I think I'm going to do something. What? I'm going to humbly request you to do one thing. Okay. I know. I don't like it when you surprise me on live on I air. know. I know. It's not a bad thing. <laughs> okay. So I just finished uh, with the um, Walter Isaacson's book about Elon Musk. Uh-huh. I think I'm going to support just the X. Just the X? No more formally known as Twitter. Really? I'm a believer. Okay. All right. I'm so a believer. Then, so now going forward, we are just on X. Uh, we're on X. If you read the if you read the book or listen to the audio book, which is what I did because I'm in the car so much, and you understand the theory of uh, Elon Musk's and the reason why he chose X as the name, I'm a believer. Okay. I'm a believer. So right. no more formally known as Twitter. I'm going to do it. I can do it. You're the boss. Uh, <laughs> going forward, I will I will begin. There it is. Right there. I love that. But I do suggest that you guys, anybody who wants a, a good like wintertime read to pick up that book or to listen on, ta- on video, on tape. On tape. on tape. Wow. That, on tape. How do you tell somebody yeah. that you're middle aged without telling them you're middle aged? Put it, yeah, put it in your eight track. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Um, yeah. Okay. Oh, back in my day. Yeah. Get the VHS up going. Uh, no. So it was. I just. I'm just saying. It was personally a really good, enriching story, and I. I would encourage all to read or listen. Well, to I them. will certainly check it out. I. I love a good podcast. I love. Actually, I just uh, finished one on J.P. Morgan, which was fantastic. So what we're doing is we are qualifying our as official nerds. Okay. I, I prefer to think, of, uh, I don't prefer to think of us as nerds. I prefer okay. to think of us as uh, Renaissance people. We're well-rounded. We, we, well, we, well we like we, we like it. <laughs> yeah well yeah you know b- b- me as well I've been working hard I've been working hard to keep this one pack uh, where it needs to be but, <laughs> but and I'm doing well at it by the good way job, doing my well friend. at it good job but um but no but uh, as we were talking about before we got out um, yeah. obviously we had talked um, about candidate filing and everything like that and of course you can't talk candidate filing period without polls and so there was an ECU poll that came out recently yeah. you showed to me yeah I did it was interesting reading through ECU and they were uh, Eastern Carolina University looking through at the governor's race. And so all the polling data that I'd seen thus far was Mark Robinson was, um, Lieutenant Governor Mark Robinson was the clear front runner, like mm-hmm. by 20 digits or something like that, 20 points, 20 digits, 20 points. Um, and now it seems like that's eroding a little bit. Uh, it looks like he's slipping just a little bit in the polls, nothing to say that he still won't be the presumptive mm-hmm. um, winner of the primary 
Um, but it looks like there are a newcomer to the race. Now, a Salisbury lawyer named Bill Graham is at 8% and second, followed by State Treasurer Dale Falwell at 7%. And then former Senator and uh, Andy Wells at three. So we're not talking about close polls by any uh, means. But the one thing that was very interesting to me, there are about 40, uh, let's see, for up to 40% of those primary voters who are still undecided. See, and that's big. That's a big number because that's a lot that can break a certain way. And, And to be fair, it is probably unlikely that all, um, you know, outside of, of Lieutenant Governor Robinson, it's hard to believe that the remaining three, um, uh, Bill Graham, Dale Falwell, and Andy Wells, all stay mm-hmm. through. Um, you know, I, th- I think, you know, they might, given how close the primary is, you might see them. But, you know, when you're down in the single digits like that going into January, February time frame, you're probably not going to spend a whole lot of money mm-hmm. going forward. So a lot of that support, I think, will start to break. Um, mm-hmm. you know, so even then the names may, may be there, but I think those break, those, the, the, that support will break, but that undecided number I think is significant, uh, given that, and, you know, and I think you, you're seeing with Lieutenant, um, Governor Robinson, what sort of a little bit of that Trump effect, right? Mm-hmm. Trump had about that 33 to 34% that die hard, not abandoning. Right. And then everything broke different ways and then ultimately coalesced behind, um, you know, President Trump in those primaries. Probably seen a little bit of a similar effect. Obviously, uh, Lieutenant Garage has the most name recognition being the current elected official. But it's going to be interesting to see, uh, especially given the amount of money Bill Graham has said he's willing to put into that mm-hmm. race. And, um, you know, um, to see if he can make up that gap with because he's self-funding to the tune of close to, what, five million dollars mm-hmm. or something. I mean, it's, it's an insane number um, that he's putting in there. crazy the amount of money that people will put of their own personal dollars into a campaign like that. It is. When you're throwing around like millions of dollars, that number, that millions of dollars, you really must believe in yourself, right? Yeah. <laughs> when you wake up in the morning, you must be like, I am hot stuff. Yeah. You know, well, like, and it's all relative. Me, I'm yeah. great. I mean, it's all relative. <laughs> well, like, maybe. you know, if I was running for governor, I could easily see myself putting in $500. Yeah. And right. the, you know, so uh, that, you know, I'm going to self fund to the tune of $500. <laughs> and so, but 500 to me is probably Bill Graham, highly successful individual at yeah. 5 million. You know, it's all maybe. relative, right? But, but also, it, there's something to be said with the fact of somebody who, I mean, who believes in themselves enough to do that. And yeah. Has enough passion. I mean, you know, put in your own money as opposed to asking well, for other people. I guess there's something to be said for that. And let's let's not be, you know, without reason to talk about some recent faux pas that the current lieutenant governor Mark Robinson has made in the public. And and what both of them actually hit me in the gut pretty hard. Like um, the recent the recent thing is that uh, as soon as uh, Congressman McHenry decided to not, you know, announce his retirement, um, and then we had uh, Pat Harrigan move over. Well, the lieutenant governor endorsed Pat Harrigan in that race without considering anybody else, without anybody, or from my understanding, speaking to anybody with Iredale. Um, and from those of us who are in this race, I mean, and and David, you know, you probably get tired of me hearing this, and I know anybody who's asked for my endorsement definitely doesn't like to hear it, but the best way to lose a race is to get into somebody else's race. So why would you endorse a candidate for Congress when you didn't know who the field is, it just seems yeah. like an unforced error to me. Well, and, and I, I mean, I, I agree. I mean, but of course, you know, um, Lieutenant Governor has always marched to the beat of his own drum, does what what he wants to do. Um, you know, it frustrates me a little bit because, you know, at the same time, you know, there's some good people, I believe, that will be filing for this race mm-hmm. who I feel like would be great for Iredell in this congressional district, mm-hmm. um, as opposed to Pat Harrigan. Now, nothing against the guy, Correct. but, you know, n- nothing personal. But at the same time, you know, the people in this district really, as you stated earlier, should be deciding who. 
goes through there. And, you know, and, you know, there's there's debate as to how much influence and endorsement has. Right. I mean, there's talk about that. But I agree with you. It's like, you know, you're you're you know, you're going to be in a, um, you know, pretty tight race going through. I mean, you are the presumptive front runner, you know, in, in Lieutenant Governor Robertson, for, Robertson for the, the GOP nomination. Um, you're going to be in a very tight race with most likely Josh Stein. Um, and so why, why poke the bear, so to speak? Yeah. I, I don't understand why you do that. Um, but, you know, it's it, what's done is done. But I think what I'm more troubled in is, you know, one of the things that I think we've talked about before is, is that, you know, um, you know, Lieutenant Governor Robertson does a lot of uh, speaking in churches and mm-hmm. things like that. And, and recently it gotten uh, pretty heated at another church with some remarks, um, you know, very hellfire and brimstone raining down, um, which, you know, nothing, I'm not going on anybody's religion, anything like that. I mean, no. I, I'm, I grew up Baptist, still Baptist, so I enjoy a good Correct. hellfire and brimstone, but in the world, uh, absolutely. You sweaty in church there, buddy. Uh, well, uh, you know, given, you know, given, so, sometimes you hear a little bit and it hits a little home. Yeah, That's I just know. the way it is. It's, sometimes <laughs> I'm kind of like, okay, I gotta, I gotta rethink some things. Yeah. Gotta go get right. But, um, if but, you go up to the altar, it's trouble, right? Yeah. But I've, but I've never been a fan of politics in church. Uh, I agree. I've, I've never been a fan I of it. Agree. Um, and I, I don't like it now. I've, I've never liked it. Um, but that seems to follow the, the Lieutenant Governor Robinson. He made some interesting remarks. Um, I believe they were, Let's see. I don't have to listen to those in my own party who have watched as my back has been whipped by our enemies who refuse to stand up with me because they're cowards. I don't have to worry about it because one day Jesus Christ is going to ride back to this earth and on a white horse when he does, he's going to bring his vengeance. So, um, you know, regard, you know, biblical revelation aside, I don't, I, again, I don't claim to know the mind of the almighty, but I don't know that foremost on him is people who, you know, didn't fully back. Mark Robinson. I mean, call me crazy. I just don't think that's, you know, when I stand before the good Lord and have to give an accounting of my life, I don't really think he's going to look at me and say, did you fully support Mark Robinson? Because I'm hoping not, because if so, this show is going to send me straight to hell because of all I've just said. But I mean, come on. I, just like you people, you have a hard enough time. This is this is a, a state that you are going to be in a very tight race with. And there are people who hear those kind of things who are kind of like, oh, yeah, I know exactly what you mean absolutely and it but there's other people that like uh i don't like that it feels icky i don't like it and i'm one of those people i was like look don't go into church and talk about your politics. Right. Go into church, talk about the Lord, talk about your faith, do those things, but don't talk about your political enemies. Right. And certainly don't assert that they're going to get the vengeance of Jesus Christ for not supporting you. Yeah. Because I really think the Almighty has more important things on his mind than that. <laughs> Call me I crazy. Hope so. I hope so. I really do. I hope really so. hope so. But I just, I don't like that. And those are the kind of things that when, you know, if, if the lieutenant governor makes it through the um, primary, which, you know, most indications are that he will, that's the kind of thing that will be rolling out on every single ad that is done and it's just going it, to, it will paint him in such a way as to people, there are people who are not religious who vote in elections who may side with you on a lot of issues, but will see that and be really, really uncomfortable with it. And it's like, there's there's no reason to say those things and do those things. Just my opinion, but I just, I don't like it at all. The weaponization of religion for political purposes is, a, is I was getting ready to say a sin, which that's what I was just getting ready to That's not really what I'm saying, but, but is, is, it's criminal, you know, as far as in the political sphere. And so much so that when we're, you know, primaries are good, right? We figure out as a party, Republican, Democrat, constitutionalist, whatever, who's going to be your pick for, but the race is in November. Mm-hmm. The winner is decided next November. Yes. How do you plan to win next November when you continue to alienate 
specific people over and over and over again. That is a true concern of mine. Yeah. I'm not saying that he won't be our, you know, um, person that will be get through the primary. I completely understand that. But every time I see this type of rhetoric, it just gins up this whole like guttural feeling of nerves in my in my soul because I'm thinking he can't this this can't continue. No, it can't. And you know, and I think that And some you know, may say it's already gone too far. I, I yeah. And if and if and you know, there are some who was I'd I'd say it's gone too I'm far. I'm sure Bill I'd Graham think, and uh, I'm all sure the other... Dale Falwell, Bill Graham and Andy Wells will be making right, that comment that that fairly soon. But I, I really think there's got to be more discipline coming out of that campaign. Yeah. I mean there really does have to be more discipline because you're you're getting you're running for a statewide office, you're running for governor, and you've got all, you know, creeds, colors and religions that you have to appeal to. Right. And Statements like that, especially to those who otherwise might be your supporters, is doesn't come across well. Mm-hmm. You're listening to We're Just Saying on WSIC News Radio. We'll be right back. Welcome back to We're Just Saying on WSIC News Radio with Senator Vicki Sawyer and David. I'd like to be part of our show, 844-STUDIO-4. We are still streaming live on the WSIC News website, social media, YouTube, Facebook, X, oh, and LinkedIn. You did it. I did. I, you you put the edict down for how you wanted me to, uh, to uh, intro that. So it is no longer formally Twitter. It is just X. It's just X. Just, just X. X. <laughs> you know what? Uh, the, I have the buttons. I'm supposed to be able to do that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you're stealing my thunder over there, <laughs> engineer extraordinaire, Bill. But that's okay. Um, a little bit yes, off sir. the um, getting off the uh, political train for a little bit. No uh, pun intended. Did pun you like intended. that? Uh, pun intended. Yes, pun I am intended. a finely tuned radio professional. But you high speed rail, a yeah. topic going on right now, yeah. and obviously you with a um, being as part of the head of the Senate Transportation Committee um, grant for high speed rail. Mm-hmm. Yes, excuse me. Um, so Senator Tom Tillis came out um, and explained about the uh, Infrastructure Job Act, that part of that will be a grant to have high-speed rail, which has been a long-held belief um, for a lot of transportation planners, from Raleigh to D.C., which actually sounds really good. You know, I've actually looked into the Amtrak. You can do that now on Amtrak, but the travel time is about the same time as drive time. Mm -hmm. That's not great, right? So you might as well just go ahead and drive. And the idea is to get congestion off the road. But a Raleigh to D.C. line would be really, really great. So Senator Tom Tillis uh, has worked to secure that funding. He came out on Twitter and and news release and and talked about that today, which I think the train will be capable of going about 110 miles an hour. Wow. Which would be really, really cool. Um, And if someone... Why why is this not... I mean, why you... I know you have done a lot of research into transportation. Mm -hmm. So if I'm... If I'm... If if this is not uh, a good question, I I apologize. But like... Light high speed rail has been a thing for a very long time over in Europe, yeah. over in Asia, and stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's it's nothing new. It's been going on over there for a while. Why has it not caught on or even been really developed inside of the United States? Because I mean, our rail is still pretty slow um, yeah. overall. Why is why do we not see that more? Well, I guess it's the philosophical uh, differences, and so people have different opinions on this. Personally, I believe it's because we're America, mm-hmm. and like 
North Carolina is the size of several European countries put together. Um, so just the spance of what we have in the area we have to cover is big. And we're car culture, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, we started 100 years ago with Henry Ford and, and that and the autonomy. And I think culturally, we have just grown up with our own cars and we want to keep our own cars. We've actually seen that with EV sales, electric vehicle sales. You know, there are folks who are just always going to be wed to um, gasoline vehicles and pro a lot for what Whatever reason that is, it's just the way we culturally are. No matter how much you try to push, it's just not going to change. Um, and, you know, I, I struggle a lot of times about do we invest in more passenger rail, which is something that it seems like transportation planners feel like we should. And the reason why I struggle with that is just the, the time mm -hmm. it takes to get these kind of projects delayed. Can we not spend that money and develop like drones that carry people to play. I mean, I'm, I know this, maybe I'm being influenced by Elon Musk a little bit here, but, but I have thought of for a while, like, is this a, you know, 18th century solution to a 22nd century problem? Mm -hmm. Is that what rail is? And we're already so far behind. There's no way we can catch up to what we probably need to be. Understandably that congestion is an issue. We can continue to build roads, but then at some point you become LA and there's nowhere else to build. And there's only so many times you can deck a, you know, a road. Um, what is the future of transportation or, or is public transportation even going to be a thing in the future, mm -hmm. right? I mean, maybe we all work from home or maybe we all work at satellite offices and we don't have to travel so far. Um, you know, where, where does this all go? I think COVID, um, I'd heard said um, by a transportation um, planner from the University of Texas, I think he had mentioned that, you know, he had been studying transportation for 20 years and in 20 days COVID wrecked it all, Yeah. you know, and so now we need to figure out where we're going to build and go back. So that's just kind of like a philosophical thing. I always think about rail and just the willingness for people to use it. I mean, um, you know, the Amtrak is gets used a lot. Actually, ridership is up on the line from the Carolina and the Piedmont, which is the Amtrak line from Charlotte to Raleigh. That that one of those lines actually, the Carolina, I think, goes all the way up to New York. So you can ride a train from Charlotte to New York. It takes a while, but you can yeah. get there, right? Um, so those type of riderships are up, but like daily commuter passenger things. Not so much. Yeah. You know, yeah. and and those are fixed line assets. So once you build it, it will be there forever. What does that look like forever? You know? Well, it's interesting that you talk about sort of the transportation options because I did um the reason why I missed last week was I was at a conference. Um and and one of the interesting things that um I was learning while I was out there was how public policy is uh, has to try to keep up with technology as it comes out. Oh, and yeah. one of the interesting things I was in, I was attending a, a meeting, a task force meeting, and one of the things they were talking about was legislation on vertiports. And so a vertiport is basically if you had a basically um, flying car, uh, mm -hmm. and this technology mm -hmm. is out there, mm -hmm. um, you know, if you had a private um, uh, ver uh, vertiport, right, mm -hmm. and there's the whole idea of, you know, ownership, right, and, you know, you own the land that is on, but do you Fair. own the air? How far up do you own the air? And so does the, um, do policies indicate that if you've got a vertiport because mm -hmm. of the air ownership, do you actually, is that private ownership or does that public access or do you have to have public access to these vertiports? What a great intellectual conversation. It really was fantastic. It was, it was yeah. fascinating to listen to because I was like, are we really there? I mean, is it back to the future? Do we finally have our flying cars? And so, and really the technology exists, there's right. things being tested, but then it's like, okay, well, once these start rolling out, okay, well, how do you keep them from right. going into buildings? How do you make sure that they are regulated the correct way? But it's something as simple as where do they land? 
And if you have one at your house or in your neighborhood, right, does that pr- provide public access? Because the air, right, mm-hmm. you don't get to own all the mm-hmm. way up. Whereas in China, you have, an owner owns all the way into the sky, oh, as the government does. Okay. Yeah. But um, here, that's not the case. So it was really fascinating to listen to. But when we talk about transportation options as tech, as technology moves, right, you know, higher speed rail, things mm-hmm. like that, um, you know, public policy has to catch up. So I thought it was really fascinating. But in the way the choices, I mean, people are getting more transportation choices these days mm-hmm. I mean, with technology. So it was really interesting to listen to listen to that and talk about the public policy implications of it. Yeah. So I always am a believer of the possible and I possibly will be Jane Jetson one day. <laughs> You want to be Jane Jetson? I, I think I'll be Jane. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, I have a dog, Elroy, and, you know, well, Brett ever, would have to be. Have you ever heard the theory that the Flintstones and the Jetsons are taking place at the same time? Just the Jetsons are up in the air and the Flintstones are down on the ground? Um, I don't... Uh, experiment in illicit drugs. So I would never have that kind of wow. conversation. You know what? <laughs> deep, deep conversations about the Flintstones and the Jetsons do not require a, a synthetic high to participate I, I, I in. I think they do. No, they really I think don't. They really look, do. just look, if you're intimidated by the question and the intellectual exercise <laughs> needed to go through it, just say so. Well, I mean, you know, don't I, come and, down on those of us who are broadening our horizons that way. Are, are we having a, a Vivek and Nikki Haley conversation right now? Did no. you watch that? Oh my gosh, man. So let's talk about it you know what i I am i I do not like him i do not like vivek when he first when he first came out and yeah he talks well all right he presents well um and when he wasn't quite as crazy when he first came out but now he's just gone complete i think i think what you are finding he is not gaining any traction Mm -hmm. and so now he is going as far off the deep end as he possibly can Mm -hmm. to try to get some type of traction or he just knows he's not got a chance of winning so he's going to go scorched earth on everybody that is to help sort of maybe i guess hurt them as much as possible Mm -hmm. you know because he's hoping for a cabinet position if donald trump is reelected. but he just just smarmy i mean when you have other candidates who are running against Nikki Hale, if they're like, you know, going Chris after Christine. him, yeah, for the way he's acting, you know, you know, you've kind of gone a bridge too far. So I'll say at the very beginning, we've actually talked about it on the radio show, I was a big Vivek fan. You I were. Really, I did. I appreciated what he was saying. And when he was talking about policy, he was right on. Mm-hmm. When he's shifted from talking about policy and what he would do, because I think he does have that futurist, futurist look and not behind it, but ahead. But when he started that and then started attacking personally Nikki Haley because she's doing good in the polls or well in the polls, I lost all taste for him. Mm-hmm. And in fact, I think I'm starting to lose all taste for that type of politician in general. Mm-hmm. Like I, I just long for the the days of a Ronald Reagan or even a Jimmy Carter or like where are the statesmen anymore in this place? You know, I see Nikki Haley is coming out as one of those people who has been routinely attacked uh, from everyone. Even Ron DeSantis was, was thrown off on her too. Um, she comes off uh, and handles it very well, I would say, as well as she could. Um, so I think I'm starting to to circle around to Nikki. I, I can't believe I'm saying it. I can't believe I'm saying it. I, of the four that were on that stage, I think she was one of my favorites. Well, I'm glad to hear that. I'm glad to see you come around to my way of thinking. It only took a little time, but I certainly... Uh, welcome, welcome to the bandwagon. Yeah. Well, I would like to welcome you to the bandwagon. But I think... And here's what I will say is, is that... You know, candidate. Um, you know, candidates like Nikki Haley running. I will say this about you as well. Women who are running in the political sphere have a very have it far more difficult um, when dealing with attacks. And here's why: because you all have to rock that line between coming across as a fighter 
right? And taking on the criticism while not crossing over and being seen as screeching yes. on those, those stereotypes that come to women. And it is a very difficult line to walk. I have, mm-hmm. I've watched you navigate it very, very well. Um, mm-hmm. except in private with me, you screech at me. I'm, just, I play, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I kid. You don't David. do that. <laughs> never, never. Wait no. a minute. It is election season and I am the candidate. Yes, you, you have are to the be candidate. very, very careful. Yes, I'm kidding. My, of course. My ego will be easily bruised. I am kidding. Of course. But no, but to be fair. And so standing on that stage and defending yourself the way she's had to yeah. against a lot of his onslaughts and stuff while maintaining a, a, diplomatic tone while make, by showing that she, but not showing that she won't take it. It's a very difficult place it to is. be much more difficult than it is for a male candidate. That is just a fact. Because there's this a sweeping um, thing that men can say about women or women actually, sometimes women are harsher on other women than anybody. It's like, oh, you're just an emotional woman. You're just being emotional. Oh, did it hurt your feelings? Oh, are you like hormones not balanced? I mean, and it's like one of those things that you can slap a woman with and because of a history of folks doing having that same put down. You have to overcome that over and over and over again. Yeah, it is a very difficult um, thing. That's why I use humor. Yes, and you do it very, I mean, I do. very well. well and that's great. It's I, disarming, but it also is it. It can be biting while disarming at the same yes, time. Yes, humor is my friend. It is, and I still remember you know in your first campaign when when you uh, when we were running we we ran a poll. We had just enough money to run a poll. Oh, okay. I don't, and I remember looking at the cross tabs on that for how things run. And what amazed me was is that you oh. polled better with men than you did with women. I thought it would be exactly the reverse. Yeah. I thought that you would have like enormous support from women and then men would be the ones that we had to make up the gap. It was exactly the opposite. So what you just said about, you know, sometimes women being harsher on women, they are. are. So Republican women in primaries do not support other Republican women. We will in the general. And it's just that. So women, if you like women like Nikki Haley or myself, get out there and vote for us in the primary. 100%. You're listening to Weird to Say on WSSE News. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Weird to Say It on WSIC News with Senator Vicki Sawyer and David. I'd like to be part of our show, 844-STUDIO-4. We are still streaming live on WSIC News website, uh, YouTube, Facebook, X, and LinkedIn. Yes. Um, so, a little jamming. I like there. the jam. I do, I too. Do. I, I mean, do. like, first, you know, had, had like, the, the guitar country uh-huh. twang going through, and then we end with a little beat. I, I like do. The, I like, mm, I like mm. all the intro music. It's kind of like, a, you know, parallel to kind of my political personality. A little, little bit of everything. Thing. Little country, little rock and roll. A little country, a little bit of rock and roll, a little hip hop. You and Marie it. Osmond. You yeah, and Marie Osmond. So, that's right. But um, even though it is candidate filing, even though it is political season, there is actually some policy items coming yeah. out of Raleigh and some work being done. And so um, you all, so uh, recently you guys had made what, like $114 million in retaining teachers? Yeah, or something. Well, so th- this is a personal story. The reason why I picked this one out for us to talk about is reading instruction. And so um, North Carolina. Uh, actually at the leadership of Senator Phil Berger, had reached out to the state of Mississippi. Mississippi was one of those uh, uh, states who had very low uh, outcomes or poor outcomes, in fact, towards the bottom ranking for kids who were able to read before third grade. And they had um, some leadership down there that transformed how they were doing reading instruction, and they went from the bottom to the middle, from the middle to the top third. So it was just 
So as the reason why, and also, so I'm very excited to celebrate that same success here in North Carolina, and it's called Letters, L-E-T-R-S, and Language Essentials for Teachers of Reading and Spelling. But you know what that really is? What? It's old school phonics. Old school phonics? Going back to the phonics, how you and I learned how to read. Really? Going, right. go, so really actually not inventing a new way or, or, or no. anything like that. We going back to the to basics what? that we um, so many of us grew up with. So all, and that it obviously had worked over time. And so Mississippi has been a success. Now North Carolina is announcing its same success. And I was the the reason that it has a personal touch for me is not only do I have a heart for education, but I was literally sitting in Senator Phil Berger's office on the couch, unrelated to this matter. And he said, uh, Senator Sawyer, I know that you have a heart for education. I'm getting ready to talk to Mississippi's um, superintendent of instruction. Would you like to sit in on the call and listen to the conversation? I did. And Senator Deanna Ballard, who's now running for lieutenant governor, she had come in because that was her scheduled time. And I got to hear the beginning of this. And so, so many times you're in these conversations or at the table when these decisions are being made and you don't know if it's going to work or not or how it's going to be. But really under Senator Berger's leadership, he did uh, spearhead this. I remember the conversation at the time. Democrats were wailing back at us and talking about how, oh, this is just an insider trader job for this letters people. And this has got to be some kind of political political pay playback. And, you know, Senator Berger had to fight that conversation back. So did uh, Senator Deanna Ballard at the time and say, no, this is not that. This is that. We've seen it work Mm -hmm. in the state of Mississippi, and we think it will work in North Carolina. So today I wanted to kind of highlight that as a Senate success in education and just, you know, be excited about the leadership there that is affecting our children. So um, these what what you're seeing is that um, the uh, it, there's been a 14% point increase in the past two years in the number of North Carolina first graders who scored on track for reading at the beginning of the year compared to a 5% point uh, increase nationally. So we are actually almost tripled the national increase in how students are reading in the first grade area. I am so proud of that. That is such a great accomplishment. And I was glad to be a fly on the wall for the the very beginning of that conversation. That is very cool. Because, I mean, I think, you know, and one of the things I know that we, we've discussed before is the learning loss that occurred during COVID and the catch up that has been necessary, you know, to to facilitate that. But going back, you know, sometimes sometimes the, uh, the, the best, you know, sometimes the best medicine is a little bit of the old medicine, a little yeah. bit of the old school. Yeah. And going back to, you know, actual phonetic reading and, and things like that to reinforce those basics. It's really cool to see that kind of improvement, mm-hmm. especially in these kids reading. Because I mean, if, if you haven't got the foundations, I mean, and you know, I, I've had, um, I've got family members and friends that have been educators, uh, a sister who's an assistant principal and, and has and gotten her doctorate and talked a lot. We've talked a lot about this because I'm just always fascinated by what it takes, you know, having three kids myself, mm-hmm. understanding well, what it takes, what are the tools available to educate kids? Because mm-hmm. um, every, you know, most, a lot of kids are different. They need, certain tools yeah. that aren't available to others. And so how do we do that? And one of the key things that um, has always been, that has been tried and true for a very long time is, is that by that third grade, yeah. if they're foundationally mm-hmm. not doing well in reading and things like it just, you set them behind going forward the rest of the way. Mm-hmm. So the fact that we're able to sort of implement a program mm-hmm. that actually goes through and, and sees this kind of success is mm-hmm. really fantastic. Yeah. So it was a $114 million investment in retaining teachers um, in that, in doing this. So thank you to those teachers out there because this was additional, a lot of additional professional training. Um, they had to complete 160 hours of training. Um, 44,000 elementary teachers did that. 
Thank you, elementary school teachers. Um, and I'm just proud of some of the successes that we have uh, had with public education. So that's yeah. like a big deal. 100%. Mm. And so did you tweet about that much? Or did you X about that? Did you post on X I about that? I did not post on <laughs> X about that. No, I think I've, I've, I've allowed my radio, this radio show to become my new, my new mode of transport, uh, my new mode of communication, because uh, as you will see soon, well, our you rated did, X section. You, yeah, we'll just move right into our rated X. So you oh. did. So uh, remind everybody what rated X is. Who yeah, maybe rated knows. X is where we go through and we uh, review the uh, mean tweets that people have thrown back your way. Or yeah. mean X no, posts. We can say tweets. Can, can I still say tweets? You can say tweets. Maybe okay. I just call it Twitter. I won't call it Twitter, but I, can I, I, need, I still need to say I tweets. I think that's right. fair. Okay, I good. think it's a good hybrid compromise. So you, you announced your campaign for yes, re-election um, out on, out on the, out in the Xverse, uh, so to speak. And so obviously you had a number of people with real names, uh, who came <laughs> through and, and congratulated you said that it was and great to hear this thank you for that, um, and everything like that. Thank and then you. we had, uh, Deer Creek Carney, Carini, oh. uh, is back Ukraine flag and all, oh, um, good. and said, and by our community, you mean I 77 mobility partners, right? <laughs> Now, correct me if I'm wrong. That was already done by the time you got there, right? Yes. You really didn't have a whole lot of say in the in and the I toll still lanes. Don't. And you I, still don't. In fact, the you know several hundred dollars a month I have to pay to them so my daughter can commute back and forth to UNC Charlotte. Uh, believe me, I feel the pain too. And in fact, I'm talking to them now about why is the the cost so high. But I appreciate that because. Um, well, I don't appreciate that, actually. That's the reason why I don't pay any attention to what Deer Creek... What is it? Carini? Car- Carini, I oh, guess okay. it is. Just let's look for the Ukraine flag. That's okay. all you need. That's, that's <laughs> tell, that, that, that tells you they're, they're, they're really... Uh, they're, they're passionate and they believe what they want. But, of course, Tad Moore, who I don't think that's the real name. Really? You don't think Tad Moore I don't Moore think Tad... I don't... Not, okay. No. I, I, it's Tad... M O R E, not M O O R E. So I think it's like you know, like just a tad more. Just a tad more. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Um, right. Yours and the entire North Carolina GOP existence is based on lies, racism, and cheating. You're a disgrace to American humanity. <laughs> <laughs> So, so, like, Jeffrey Dahmer is not just, a disgrace to humanity? No, 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 no just no, no. you. Just me? Just you. For being a Republican? Yes, exactly, <laughs> exactly. But you know what? I want to be fair with you. I'm just glad somebody finally said it. I, you know, because it's been needing to be said for a while. I'm glad someone finally said it. Um, <laughs> do you, I've said this before, but do you think, like, when they, like, when someone says something mean on X, do you think they get, like, a high from that? Do you oh, think, I think they, they like, do. pat themselves on the back and give themselves a cookie of congratulations? 100%. They, they walk around <laughs> like, the whole day. And they're like, nailed it. Yeah, I like, told her. The I win? told her. Like, but our but our okay, boy D Dog is back. Oh no, we get him uh, too much. D Dog, no, no, he's so good. Okay, okay, he's so okay, good. Okay. He's on like his eighth username, I think. But okay, okay. it's still D Dog. All right, it's like his eighth account. He says, okay. "I'd say you have a really good chance in uneducated redneck land." Oh. I think he's talking about some of my family. Hey, but yeah, it could be. <laughs> Very well, could be. Definitely some of your constituents, he, he seems, to, seems to think. But you have a great chance in uneducated redneck land. Aw, that's sad. Poor that's, D-Dog. So, okay, not to get too philosophical about it, but it seems like those people who are accusing me of bigotry, racism, negative behavior— are doing it through bigotry, racism, and negative behavior. Your logic has no place here. Now. Okay. Don't, like, don't start making uh, sense. So it's okay to call somebody a redneck, um, but, you know, like, 
it's okay. Yeah, because, that, that's because okay. That, I well, did that's, that. Well, exactly, exactly. That's not that's not the real misogyny. Oh, that's not the real insulting and oh, being mean. Okay. That's not it. Only oh. you. Only when you do it. Oh, only, only because I'm a Republican. Exactly. Then, then now I, you're catching oh, on. Oh, yeah. Now you're catching okay. on. There's actually a portion um, in that. So last Elon Musk reference, but there's a portion in that Elon Musk reference where he was set at a charity event beside Larry David, and this was when he was going through some of his uh, exes and talking about some uh, anti-COVID stuff and everything else and and that he would not i think one of the tweets was i will not vote democrat again or i'm only going to vote republican and larry david like apparently just called him like this racist and backwards and da 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 just because you're a republican and i'm thinking the this the the like accuser is committing the crime like you know i mean it's okay to be a democrat or a republican it's okay it doesn't mean that you're predestined to hell Right or the vengeance of God? No, that's only if you don't support Mark Robinson. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> that's only. Let's be clear. That 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 oh, is okay. only if you don't support Mark okay. Robinson. Okay, good. Now, now but once we're learning the rules okay. as we go. I mean, I feel like by the time we're done with this show, many many years from now, yeah. I'll hopefully know how not to be a racist, misogynist, bigot, and not go to hell. Yes. Like hopefully I will you have learned all, all the that? all the things all right. necessary to not well, be those things. My friend, those you're things. a Republican, and according to some, there's just so, no escaping. So I'm going to have to switch my party. But that, but then no, I still have that whole. That. I'll have to. I'm gonna have to switch my party, but support Mark Robinson. Okay. Can I do that? Is that is that allowed? Not in the primary. <laughs> Obviously, I can't in the primary. <laughs> Going into the weekend, have you finished your Christmas shopping? I have not started my Christmas shopping. You haven't even started. Uh, every, You're one of those. Every Christmas, I roll in on two wheels. Do you? Yeah. Come. So it's uh, like coming it's, in hot. Coming in hot. Every Christmas. If it's not wrapped, just if, deal with it. I don't have the anxiety of like being cold but sweaty at the same time as I run through the rain and the last day of shopping. I don't know what Christmas would be like. Uh, you know what? Everybody's got their own traditions. Yeah. That's just that's yours. <laughs> It is. <laughs> well, thanks for being with us today on We're Just Saying on WSIC News. Everybody have a great weekend. We'll talk to you next week. Happy holidays.